I'm starting on this day in football history, Dan. We're starting the show I love with it. an on this day in football history. You, know what, you want to know why? Because today is February 1st, all right? And on February 1st, 2004, believe you and me, I remember where I was at home on 565 Monterey in Crystal Lake. We were seventh graders, okay? Yes. And we were watching Tom Brady and the New England Patriots beat the Carolina Panthers for the Super Bowl. But what I remember most is actually February 2nd, 2004, because I remember being in the halls of London Middle School with people like Matt Ray and other guys who I was playing football with from the Raiders and all this stuff, talking about Janet Jackson's boob. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was that year. Game. That was that it's year. the boob wow. game. We are on the we are that. at the we are at the seventeenth anniversary of of uh, Justin Timberlake unleashing boob on America and uh forever changing that was the most electric conversations I think in my life up to that point was <laughs> oh my god, did you see the nipple and what was on the nipple and all the talk from what you can imagine seventh grade boys dealing with as you're just innocently watching a football game my my pure mind was spoiled by the evils of justin timberlake and janet jackson's bare breast well we used to we used to do lundahl live i'm wondering if that was uh if that was our lead in May, it might have been. live that day throughout the halls of the school <laughs> in every every classroom uh what a way to open open the day the school day there i remember <laughs> all school. i remember talking yeah. about was the boob for like the next like week we talked it was boob talk oh it was massive news i mean it transcended the the news of just the super bowl it it was just on its own major news who cares that like, adam vinatieri like a, this happen? yeah who i mean who cared that adam vinatieri was hitting game winning kicks left and right uh it was all about the boob Headlines across America and Justin Timberlake just with just his face afterwards too, just like like shocked almost. That was like oh man, like that boob ruined Super Bowls happened? for the next like ten years because all the NFL did was go to like old guys because they were scared about boobs. It yeah, took, I think that paved took, the way for like the Who yeah, and stuff. I had to like, deal with seventy-five that. year year olds. It was horrible. <laughs> Thank God the NFL grew some grew some spine and let us have J Lo and Shakira last year. They brought booty yeah, Beyonce back. a few years ago, yes. and they brought you know Bruno Mars with his swagger uh, over you know. So they started getting a lot more into the pop culture stuff. Maybe like the last five years, I'd say. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Before that, it was they were de- definitely like paying homage to. Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen. They were so scared of boobs after that. that era. I, pour, they they pour, didn't, they one didn't out, pour one out today for the 17th anniversary of the boob, <laughs> and the and and uh, the uh, thir- and and give a high five to my 13 year old self for uh, for being able to see a boob on TV uh, because that was that was you know no one you didn't have smartphones or. Your own laptops back then. If you wanted to see a boob, you had that, to be very really groundbreaking. You had to be crafty. That was, that was to see a, a groundbreaking boob. moment. Yeah. <laughs> no question. <laughs> All right. Well, that that's a, a great way to uh, open this final episode of the Football Lounge in terms of the 2020 uh, NFL season. 
because by next week, of course, the Super Bowl will be in the books, and we will then be pretty much in full swing off-season mode at that point. But one more game left to go, Mark, of this 2020 season. It's the best one there is with Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay Bucks, taking on Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week about the, um, I guess, the highlight of this being the GOAT versus the soon-to-be next GOAT, if you will, with uh, a lot of people, how it's being framed and stuff like that. So there there are definitely narratives to take uh, going into the Super Bowl one. But, but first, obviously, we had big news over the weekend, and uh, that kind of cued us into a, a whole new conversation for the last few days instead of talking about the Super Bowl. Oh, for sure. I, I, I mean, Saturday night, I'm on my Xbox uh, with my little brother uh, just nuking people in Warzone, more like me just getting killed a lot and uh, my little brother Phil saving my butt. Uh, I, get, I get revived a lot. I'm not good. But all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up, and I look on Twitter, and it's just a photo from Adam Schefter of Matt Stafford in a Rams jersey, and I'm like, OMG. And really what started, you know, that wasn't as shocking is then, to me, the fact that Stafford was a Ram was then more shocking of what the Rams gave up. I mean, once you started yeah, to, it was incredible. to me, where my, my jaw started hitting the floor, it was like, oh, my God, that's what they gave up to get him. And now, as the dust has settled, here we are on a Monday afternoon, a couple days later, we're able to digest the news. What we're starting to realize and starting to feel out is that this was a trade that both organizations really wanted. Uh, it also is what Matt Stafford wanted. It was overall something that worked um, for everyone involved. You know, the Rams got out of the contract. The uh, Stafford got to go to a place he wanted to be. And um, the, the Lions, in return, got a guy they wanted. You know, to me, that's the bigger other part of this story as we'll get into now who wins, who loses, to me, there was this, that report today that the Panthers offered the ninth overall pick or the eighth, whatever they have, and something and other things, but the but the Lions wanted a quarterback in return. The Lions didn't, it, so far what we're seeing is the Lions had uh, no interest, I guess, in going after a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance, uh, or moving up for a, uh, even the kid out of, you know, Wilson out of BYU, whoever, they wanted an established NFL quarterback and a kind of rebuild reboot as opposed to a total ground-up all-rookies restart. And I think that is really interesting. It was something we'll talk about here now with the, the Lions rebuild. But that's my first, you know, my gut reaction was, oh, my God, two firsts and a third and Goff. I mean, that is so much to give up. For a guy in Stafford, yeah. who we all know the talents there, but he hasn't won anything. Yeah, my initial reaction, I, I tweeted it out instantly. I was like, "What a haul by Detroit uh, to to get uh, such a, a wealth of picks at you know a premium, uh, plus get the quarterback." So th this is uh, how the trade uh, exactly went down. So it was a swapping of the quarterbacks, Jared Goff to the. Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford to the LA Rams. But in return, Detroit also gets a 2022 first round pick and a 2023 first round pick from LA, as well as this year's third round pick. So two future firsts, a third this year, plus Jared Goff, a guy, a younger quarterback, 
who a lot of people are comparing to Matt Stafford. We'll get into that because I, you know, I disagree with, you know, people saying that they're they're close. I, I think Stafford's a much more talented quarterback, but nonetheless, they get a younger guy who they think could be their franchise quarterback. And really the only downside for Detroit is that they have to take on this, you know, large contract that is saddled with Jared Goff, which is the um, four-year $106.6 million contract uh, from Jared Goff. In return, the Rams inherit the two-year $43 million uh, uh, Matthew Stafford. Uh, That is the, the remaining two years of his current contract with the Lions. So, that's how the two shake out. Obviously, that's over $60 million difference. So for L.A., this was a very, you know, money was a huge uh, motivating factor behind this deal. And for Detroit, they were, you know, saying, hey, you want us to take on that contract? We're fine to do it. We want to get that guy uh, in Jared Goff, but you're going to have to give us some picks. So, you know, both sides get what they consider to be an ideal situation, an ideal circumstance out of this. But I would say the Lions definitely get an extremely beneficial haul out of these draft picks. And, you know, yeah, they have to deal with the contract, but they're not paying anyone else, Mark. I mean, really, they got a a lot of younger guys, and they have three free agent wide receivers right now. If they sign Kenny Galladay and let Jones and Amendola walk, then really they're just tied up in a few players, and that's, that's about it. So they could even hit free agency and, do a lot of things in the draft as well. Well, they certainly can do that. They can also move now picks. So the Lions have flexibility. Let's let, yeah. let's focus on I want to turn this conversation on. Let's focus on the Rams and 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 how this can be a win for them and then we'll go to the Lions. So let me pose this question to myself and I'll pose it to you here. What now does it have to be successful for this to be a a good trade for the Rams? Obviously, Playoff success is huge. Now, what do you say playoff success? They've won a playoff game this year. They beat their division rival in in Seattle um, and then losing, obviously, to Green Bay uh, in that playoff game where Green Bay certainly looked like the better team. And uh, one of the reasons why I think we both picked Green Bay to beat Tampa was how good they looked against that great L.A. Rams defense. So this is, an, to me, what's fascinating about this is we get, you know, all this talk and I just spent Saturday morning my show before the straight happening about talking about Philip Rivers in the Hall of Fame and how Matt Stafford's that next guy who could end up like that, where you say the numbers there. Stafford now gets his chance. So I'm excited for Stafford because as a as a as a, a fan of football and as a, a fan of Matt Stafford's, and I've been a Stafford defender for a long time. Uh, and I certainly was the person who was tweeting the past couple of days, wanting Stafford on the Bears, doing like seeing what they'd have to give up. Clearly, the Bears didn't have the ability to go get Stafford if this is what the Lions wanted. The Lions wanted an established starting quarterback and multiple picks. The, the, the Rams were the team to give them that. Uh, there, was, there was no one else really, unless maybe it would have been Philadelphia and Carson Wentz or something like that. Uh, just, and there were reports that the Bears did pursue yes, uh, the Bears. Stafford, so that's a good sign to see that they tried. Yes, to the something. Bears, the Niners, football yes. team, uh, the Patriots were getting reports that the Panthers all called made legitimate offers to to Detroit. So for the Rams, listen, they have to be in NFC Championship games multiple or at least one in the next two years and be in, and look good for this to come back on them. I think also this says about the Rams is they have ultimate faith in, in Sean McVay and they have ultimate faith that uh, no matter what happens with their players, 
McVay is their guy, and they're going to give McVay whatever McVay wants uh, for the time being. Now, if McVay flops and the next two years are a disaster, that'll then change, and there'll be a, there'll be a changing of the guard. I don't think that'll happen. I also think that this is, you know, you you want pressure. You've, you've invited it upon yourself. The Rams are going to be the team to watch right now, depending on where Deshaun Watson goes. They're, the, they're now the team that everyone's excited to see play. I think it's a good fit for them. I think they will have success, but it's a tough division. Depending on what San Francisco gets, they could end up with Deshaun Watson. Who knows who they end up at quarterback. You have Russell Wilson in that division. You have Kyler Murray in that division. It's not an easy division to win double-digit games in, and the Rams now put a big target on their back as well. It's kind of saying to the league, we think we're smarter than everyone else. We're giving up all these first-round picks. We have no first-round picks. We're in go-for-it mode. Uh, so, Dan, let's before we go back to the Lions, you know, that's kind of my thinking of the Rams. I think it'll work. I predict them to certainly be a playoff team next year, and I'm very excited to watch them uh, play next year. I love Stafford. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for this to work. But you've invited a ton of pressure. What are your thoughts as far as the L.A. side go? Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, I, I think they are a much better team with this deal. Uh, now getting Matt Stafford under center, they could do a lot more with him, and they could take chances with Matt Stafford. And that's the biggest thing you really couldn't feel like you could do with Jared Goff because a lot of times when he would hold on to the ball, he was very vulnerable to fumbling. I mean, he had a lot of fumble issues. Bad turnovers. Uh, recently. Just just really bad turnovers, untimely turnovers. And he just wasn't the guy that was making the game-breaking plays. Matt Stafford, uh, you know, uh, as, as guys that have watched the Bears uh, plenty over the years, He's been able to hit on a lot of these deep balls and and big plays, even when he didn't have a Calvin Johnson. So he he's a guy that has a, a you know superb arm talent in the NFL, and uh, and they get a win there. The biggest problem for them, and look, you know, first round picks and picks in general, I think are over romanticized in the NFL. I do think that teams put too much of a premium on them at times because we see how often first rounders turn out to be busts or just teams making really bad decisions in the first second third round whatever it be a lot of the draft is luck and a lot of it is how much time are you dedicating um and and, and how good are your scouts well, and player development so, too i mean you if you get a guy player in, you got to yeah. develop them and turn them into a pro absolutely you have to have the coaches and the staff to be able to uh, to put all that through. So that's there's a lot of those factors that go into play. So I'm not necessarily someone that uh, gets tied into first-round picks all the time. I'm like, if you can get someone for a first-rounder or, or even two first-rounders, you think that helps your team now, gives them a chance to win the Super Bowl, then you should absolutely do it. Um, the biggest thing, though, is we're you know I'm talking a couple first-rounders. Now we're talking seven consecutive drafts that the Rams will not have a first-round pick. And they, and of course, they've gotten first rounders out of the deal. You know, Jalen Ramsey's certainly worth that. Um, and they traded up to get Jared Goff, who they were able to get to a Super Bowl with. So there are, you know, they've been validated in some of their moves. But then again, here you are having to move on from Jared Goff. So it's like, you know, eventually you're going to need some capital here, at, at the very least, to build some depth. So I think the team is in a position where they can certainly compete. For Super Bowl, you're right about the division. It's a brutal division, probably the worst uh, to compete with in the NFL in terms of you know trying to get a leg up. Because you mentioned it, 
San Fran's not going anywhere, even if they don't get Deshaun Watson. So if they do get Deshaun Watson, now you're the LA Rams that just made a deal to get Matt Stafford, and you're still probably tied for third or fourth. Well, then, th- well, then Stafford's, yeah, you could argue you know? Stafford be the fourth best quarterback in that division right. if, if, if Deshaun Watson shows up. I would put right now Stafford ahead of Kyler Murray, just experience uh, with the system, the weapons they have around him, everything uh, physical. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Kyler's tough. I mean, they're close. I mean, they're 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 not much they're of close. a – I mean, they're very different players, but as far as where you'd rank them, they'd be very close next to each other. Obviously, they're both better than a yeah. Jimmy G, and I think both of them are a step behind Russell Wilson. So it's a fascinating thing. Dan, the other thing I think you have to say about this too is, I mean, Stafford's got they they've locked up their wide receivers. They have good tight ends, a strong offensive line, a, a nice running back. That rookie Cam Akers looks like he's something. The defense is certainly still win now, right now. But they did just lose their defensive coordinator. He's now the head coach of the of the Chargers. So, how good is that? How good is that defense still going to be? There's a lot of factors that go into this, and they just put a lot of pressure on their back. And the other thing I'd say about the first round picks is, while yes, um, I do agree they're slightly overvalued. They are, in a lot of ways, cheaper talent. They also, um, they're the type of people that you want to get a star for. But L.A., being L.A., you don't need to, like, Green Bay, they need to draft a star. Carolina needs to draft a star. Jacksonville needs to draft a star and hope to keep them happy because they're not free agent destinations. You know what I mean? It's not Dallas. It's not New York. It's not uh, Chicago. It's not... Uh, L.A., I mean, you know what I mean? These are destinations uh, where free agents will always want to go. So they'll be able to hopefully convince free agents to take pay cuts and do stuff like that and make moves in that way. But So I'm not as necessarily worried about that. What I am worried about is overall just you put a lot of pressure on and, you know, there's now a lot of pressure on McVay's system as well. McVay, I hope, I believe he's a good, a very good coach, an, an elite level coach, but he now write, he just wrote a big check, and uh, you know, a huge. He took a lot of a big line of credit out with his owner, with his organization, saying, "No, no, trust me, my system and what I want is going to be better." And this guy couldn't get it. We we ripped Matt Nagy for years, saying, "You have to get the best out of your player in Mitchell Trubisky," and now they're getting rid of the quarterback. The organization, Jared Goff, Sean McVay was there when they signed Jared Goff to that extension. You didn't get the most out of your player. And we're not hating on Sean McVay where all the hate is going towards Jared Goff, which is why now I turn this conversation back to Detroit. Because for me, I think I cannot wait to see what the over-under is for wins for Detroit because I think it's going to be something along the lines of like four or five. I'm going to smash that over when I have the opportunity. I really think this is going to be one of those things where we look at this in a year from now and be like, wow, Jared Goff, you kind of forget, that guy can play in this league. He has the talent. We saw it in that shootout game with Mahomes in L.A. We may, He saw him beat Drew Brees in Drew Brees' house to get to Super Bowl. We saw him beat uh, Russell Wilson in Russell Wilson's house uh, with a broken thumb to advance in the playoffs. He's not He's not some sort of total scrub. Well, yes, he's not a Mahomes. He's not a elite, just ridiculous talent, a Deshaun Watson. I think you forget the, yes, Dan Campbell, a lot of people hate on that press conference, but Dan Campbell has built a staff there that is filled 
with like guys that are going to be the coaches and Dan Campbell's the CEO. Dan Campbell's not the offensive genius who now all the offensive pressure on. He's not the defensive genius that he's calling all the defensive plays, all the pressures on. No, no. He's the CEO. Anthony Lynn, the Chargers head coach, is the offensive coordinator there. They have a really solid staff. Deuce Staley. Mark Brunel is the quarterback's coach in, in Detroit. That's a really solid staff. And if they have Hawkerson, the, the tight end, they have other pieces. They have, uh, you know, uh, we hate it on, uh, on uh, Matt Patricia. I really feel this Lions team, with the stability, they 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 purely, their their organization wanted a, a veteran starting quarterback for a reason plus picks. Because I think they realized, wait, wait, we don't have to completely go down to the screws here. We have some real pieces. We had the wrong head coach and the wrong culture. We now feel like we have the right coaching staff and a culture. Let's get a quarterback in here. He's certainly better than Kirk Cousins. He's already the second best quarterback in the division, depending on what the Bears do, which I, I find it hard right now to be pressed that the Bears are going to have a better starting quarterback than Jared Goff. So second best quarterback in his division uh, in, in, a, in an, uh, a, win, a division that, is not is nearly as tough as where he was just in, defensive wise and 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 coaching staffs and things like that. I, I really think this is a solid situation for Goff, and uh, I'm high on Detroit already going into next year for a lot of those reasons. And I do think Goff is a top fifteen quarterback in this league. I, I mean, he's right there. He, again, the separation between Goff and Stafford is not as monumental as the separation between. Patrick Mahomes and Matt Stafford. And and uh, as long as you have Patrick Mahomes in this league, everyone's chasing uh, the, the quarterback situation at that point in time. Even a Deshaun Watson is chasing Patrick Mahomes. So anyone who's, who's hating on it, I, I cannot believe Detroit got two first-round picks, a third this year, and a, a, a quality top, you know, top 15 quarterback for a guy who's who, as much as I love, the, now the, all the pressure's on, and if Stafford doesn't make the playoffs next year, he's written his obituary. I mean, he, Stafford has – the upside is now Stafford has a chance to be a Hall of Famer. I really think that now. Now I think he does have a chance to be a Hall of Famer. If he gets playoff runs, deep playoff runs here, uh, you know, multiple NFC Championship games, maybe a Super Bowl run, he'll have a Phillip Rivers resume. And and I as I said on my show on Saturday, that to me then you could be a Hall of Famer with the stats and deep playoff runs. So the pressure's on. I, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. And I think, Dan, I'll let you speak on that with Detroit, and then I would pose to you, the, if that's the market for Matt Stafford, what's the market for Deshaun Watson? Right, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll touch on the, the Detroit situation and just the pressures in general that you mentioned. I, there's pressures on both sides. It just comes in completely different forms. I think there's pressure for Matt Stafford now to prove uh, his legacy because if he finished his career in Detroit, he could always, you know, you could always make the argument that he was never given a, a proper support system. He was never given a proper, uh, you know, coaching staff and, and the tools to really succeed in this league and, and compete in the NFC North. But now he doesn't really have those arguments anymore to be made. He has one of the league's best coaches, at least considered to be uh, best coaches, uh, especially up-and-coming ones, a, a young, enthusiastic, offensive-minded one. 
he's got weapons all over the field, a superb defense, top five defense in the league, as opposed to a bottom five, bottom 10 defense in the league that he's had in Detroit for many, many years. There's pressure there. There's pressure on McVay to now say, okay, well, we got you. You got the quarterback that you wanted now. Uh, We've got some cap relief for you to do what you want to do. We have the defense that you wanted built uh, with superstars. You got you to go to a Super Bowl now within the next couple seasons or else, the, you know, that's going to come crumbling down pretty fast and, and the weight of that cap hit's going to be monumental. On the other side for Detroit, their pressure comes in the form of what they do with these draft picks, whether it's moving them to acquire more talent and depth uh, across their roster or it's using those picks and they got to hit on them. So the pressure's going to be you bring in a whole new group, a whole new staff and system the pressure here is, well, we just took on a $106 million quarterback. We're completely overhauling the system. The pressure here is you got to see some progress out of this in the next couple of years as well, or else you're back to just being the Lions, what you've been doing over the past several years. Only this time now, you're, you're whittled down with a massive contract that's bigger than the guy that you just got rid of. So... That's the biggest uh, problem for Detroit. And then in terms of Goff, his pressure is going to be, can you actually recover your career here after all of the crap that you've taken as people say, you know, you're overrated and all of that stuff. After going to a Super Bowl, can you be the guy that, you know, helps turn a franchise around? So there's there's all these pressures in a lot of different areas for both of these teams, just um, just kind of at different stages at the point in their development. Uh, you mentioned the staff in Detroit. They do have a good one, a one that can certainly work with Jared Goff. And, you know, you would think uh, based on uh, the biting kneecaps, uh, you know, press conference from their head coach, uh, he seems like a guy that at least is going to bring probably a more conservative offensive approach. Not not, not saying that they're not going to be better off- offensively, but an approach that's probably going to rely a lot on the run game, which is something that, you know, Jared Goff is is used to in terms of the play action yeah. and, and some, some some of these things that suit his strengths, right? So it does appear that he's got the coach and the offensive coordinator that can work with him in that regard. So, look, I mean, you know, the proof is in the pudding, and, and time will tell how well this worked out. And, and perhaps it'll tell as early as this season to see if they move some of these draft picks to get higher this year or what they do with their overall picks, uh, I, you know, that's that's really what I'm looking forward to. I'll give Campbell, you know, a couple years to, to prove his He's got a six-year deal. They, I mean, they, you know, they, yeah. had, they had the confidence in him to do that, and they had the confidence as an organization to say, we don't want – we don't trust – we trust getting a Jared Goff more than a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance where they were going to be moving in the draft – uh, a Zach Wilson, BYU, whatever it may be. Before we go to Watson, my final point on this is just purely saying I, I, I just want it. I just want it on the record now. Sean McVay, his system, and we love every, we love talking about systems. Says, oh, no, 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 I got to get rid of the player. Isn't it the coach's job to get the most out of the player in the system? And maybe the the, the talks in that room must have been from Les Need and everyone at the Rams headquarters saying. We actually believe that Sean McVay tried to get the most out of Jared Goff and could not in this system. But then I would argue, again, if your system is failing and that's the talent you have and you sign that guy, 
change your system, get the most out of the what that guy does well. So, and I also am excited to see Jared Goff when he's not just like, oh my God, oh my God, stick to my system, stick to my system. Sean McVay's in my ear, in my ear until the last second he can be in my ear. Maybe it'll free Jared Goff up a little bit. And final point before we go on to Deshaun Watson, I think it makes this, this makes the Bears look smarter in a weird way. The Bears, even though they blew it with their chance with, of drafting Trubisky and they'll never, never recover from passing on Watson and passing on Mahomes, Look at what the two, the year before they drafted Trubisky, it was Goff one, Wentz two. Those teams fell in love with those guys early, fell in love with their coaches and those guys early, signed them to these massive deals. Watson signed to a massive deal, and these organizations are all trying to get out of these deals and are unhappy, bad situations. Meanwhile, the Bears, albeit they picked the wrong guy, they didn't sign him, they didn't even pick up the fifth-year option, and yes, they may be have no idea what their quarterback situation is going to be like, but they're not stuck in these hor- horrific cap situations where now I got to trade two future first round picks and a current third year round pick to get rid of my starting quarterback who I signed a massive deal. Yikes. That's that's actually that's a really good point. I didn't I didn't even like kind of, you know, uh, connect those dots, but it, it that is a really good point because you you get stung by the failure of your decision, but you're not getting beaten over the head with yeah. it. For the next five years now granted they you know they did they mortgaged their short-term future to get to move up and get Trubisky but at this point they're able they're able to recover now. and they're fine back to you having know, first and, round and picks they'll and, be in a position yep. right right so while it stung and it was brutal that is a good point like none of these guys uh were able now now you could say you know that you know Mahomes would be the you know the anomaly in that situation but you could say you know if Watson was with the Bears then he wouldn't be in the situation he's in now he would have signed a long-term deal and yeah whatever he, they'd all be happy Again, yeah but the fact is these all these guys are are in situations I mean especially with Wentz he was in a situation where they went to a, a freaking Super Bowl and uh and, and that wasn't even enough to really keep him uh ingrained there so yeah I mean you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but now you're looking and you're saying wow you know they weren't as ridiculous as everyone may, maybe yeah, makes them they out made, to be. They and, made and, the and wrong there's something pick, to be said for not committing. And making the wrong pick super is early. yeah, making the wrong pick is still a death yeah. sentence almost as we see they're on their last legs here. But you know, a lot of people are. I just I hate this, and it's easy to compare because we I am such a Bears follower and fan. But you get all the media hating on Matt Nagy for trying to force Mitch into the system, the system not working. McVeigh was just doing the same thing, and then McVeigh gets this massive pass. And his organization now has to eat all this, to give away all this stuff to hope that this guy works in his system. I think it's interesting to see. Yeah. All right, we got to talk. It's a troubling trend, real quick. It's a troubling trend for LA, though, to where two of your supposed superstars in very recent years, you've signed to yes, major, major deals and then found yourself in a position where we have to get off of this real quick. And this was all under McVay. Not saying he pulled all the strings, but Rams ownership, McVeigh, everyone's got to yeah, take account need, now yeah. that you've got two guys with massive, massive deals that that you had to move off of literally a year or two later, and that that is troubling. For so, sure. what do you think? I mean, obviously, we'll we'll react to Watson news when real Watson news happens. But I think the the thing to say is, what now is going to take to get Deshaun Watson? This again, assuming. Right. That the Texans are actually a smart organization and don't just blow it like they've blown in the past. Now, 
I, I have no idea. The Texans, in my opinion, right now are the worst-run organization in the NFL. They have, like, cult Christian leadership at the top as opposed to football people. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I don't trust that they'll make the best decision ever. But, I, I mean, you know, it's going to take at least – there's going to be three first-round picks involved. If Stafford gets two, I think the base, the bare minimum is three, plus some players that make money work, uh, I would have to imagine, right? Yes, um, unless there's a situation where you know you you're you're dealing with a team that has some really high quality young players, then maybe you can you know work with those draft picks. Because honestly, if I'm a Houston fan, I'm not trusting this team to get the draft right. You know, well, no. like outside of Watson, uh, they have not been able to draft very well. So I w- I would hope for a, a high yield, a high player yield type of trade deal where, you know, I, I highly do not, this is not going to happen, but this is just an example. Like say the Steelers wanted to, to give up stuff, right? First off, their first round picks aren't going to be, you know, highly coveted. They're not going to be top 15 or whatever. But if you said like, whoa, I'm going to give up TJ Watt and Mika Fitzpatrick and one first. Yeah. If you're, if you're, you know, Houston, yeah, maybe I maybe I definitely consider that because we're talking about two guys yes. that are worth first rounders anyway. Or if you're, uh, you know, like someone like the Jets really doesn't have that ability. It's got to be picks to, to give you players, right? Uh, Quinn and Williams maybe would be the only guy that they could really package yeah. here. C.J. Mosley, I mean, but and maybe that could work, but you'd still probably look at two firsts at that point. So it definitely depends on the team what they're able to give and that's why i think it's an interesting situation i don't i don't think this miami thing is very plausible because first off i don't think houston really wants tua no. and then really outside of that the the any of the players that miami has that are any good they they just got to the point where they're getting these guys they're not going to want to just unload again to get deshaun watson so i think it is an interesting situation um I for some reason, man, I still feel like he's going to end up in Houston this year. I just like for, like there's just something to me that's like they're not going to trade him. And if it happens that way and he sits out, then he sits out. But part of me just feels like Houston just won't move off yeah. of this guy. And and I can't blame them because when you have a franchise quarterback, it's really stupid to trade him. But at the same time, it's like, what are you going to do if he sits you know, out? Then you're like, all right, well, we're just sitting on our hands. And, and part of it, I, I, I do want to make this clear. I mean, is I love Deshaun Watson. And I and I feel for him that his organization has shown their true colors in the past couple months. But you had to have known, being in that organization, what the ownership was like and things like that. Now, maybe his hope, you know, when he signed that mega deal. Now, maybe his hope was, you know what? They're going to fire this guy, and Bill O'Brien I know is going to be gone, and they're going to, they're going to give me a, a chance to get real football people in here. And they did the exact opposite, and that's now what's making him do this trade. But, you know, it is a war. It is a warning for a lot of these other quarterbacks. With these, you know, is really talented. Like, if you have any worry about the organization you're with, don't sign the deal. I mean, I know it's hard to turn yeah. down huge money in the NFL because one injury could take it off, but it's also a little bit of a warning sign that. Hitting free agency as an NFL star quarterback is not the worst thing in the world. Look, I mean, Kirk Cousins was the last one to hit free agency as a star quarterback, and he's considered now the third worst quarterback in his division. In his in his division, I mean, is and like, 
and it wouldn't take a lot to and over, he's made over, huge you know, I mean he's made more guaranteed <laughs> money than I think even Watson's got in his contract so it's just one of those things where it's like listen NFL players if you can hold out I mean I know they'll franchise tag you franchise you see what's happened with Dak and Dallas but eventually you'll get your chance to hit free agency and uh and it, it, I mean can you imagine just if Watson was a free agent right now I mean it would be red carpet rollouts you he would get money that was I would say even closer to Patrick Mahomes is than what he got from Houston because of his just being available so I, I mean it's another thing to worry on. I, I, I have a feeling he's going to be traded. I, I really do. And I think uh, if I'm Houston, clearly your organization is so damaged. I don't know if I'd want guys who are already in the league. I would want a haul of picks. I'd want picks on picks on picks. And I would, I would want depth of picks. I'd want cheap labor picks. I'd want seconds and thirds. So I'd say if you're going to give me two first-rounders, like uh, this year first and uh, next year first, but then I want – your seconds and your thirds for the next like two years. I want that value guys who are way cheaper, but arguably first round talent. Cause really in the NFL, once you get past like pick 10, you could be an 11th overall pick or a 35th, 38th overall pick. And there's not that much of a difference at that point in time, but the money is huge difference for your second and third rounders. Uh, and for a team like Houston's going to be having to take the cap hit from this Watson deal, like the Rams are taking this cap hit still, paying for a lot of that dead money. That's going to be something to watch. I, if I was Houston, I'd like a lot of like Jacksonville. Hey, we know our organization doesn't have a lot of w- w- hold a lot of water compared to the Steelers, the Patriots, the the world class organizations in the NFL. We want just the young guys who are happy to be there and compete for a job, and you can build a culture within that. And that's what the Lions are doing right now. I would be shocked if the Lions package those picks for players and not just take. Just pick guys and build culture that way. Yeah, no, I, I I don't disagree with you there. I mean, I it's the only the only you know hesitancy I would have is just that you know you get a bunch of picks and you know you just hope that the Texans don't screw it up. Well, they're gonna but, they're not you know, gonna get this, value for Watson, <laughs> but listen, he's not gonna play for you, and I, I really don't think he's gonna play for him. I think he's I think he's smart enough, and he's got money now enough, and he's got enough leverage. He's not playing. I think he will hold out. And 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 the Texans, yeah. the Texans, they better be. If I were them, if I was advised them, I'd be like, be smart. As soon as you can get an offer that feels right. Well, and they better it. they they better move off of him before the draft. Yeah, well, yes. because if they if if they find themselves hanging on to him mid summer, I mean, it's at this point. All right, now you're already like screwing yes. yourself. But that's the thing is like they are now in a situation where they're probably playing Russian roulette because. If they if they if they have any semblance of hanging on to Deshaun Watson, they're going to try and make that happen. But I don't. They may not even realize, you know, the the weight of that decision because if they do bank on them actually being able to smooth things over with him, and it doesn't pan out, now you're screwed. Now you just screwed yourself. And yeah, you're going to have a lot of money because you're not going to have to pay him. But he's just going to sit out, and he's going to yeah. wait until. You know, he can, he can uh, you know, force your My hand. final so, thought on this is they yeah. are, the Texans are lucky that the Rams got desperate and the Rams set, they set the market now. Because now any team that calls me, if I'm Houston, I'd be like, uh, two first and a third, and then we'll go from there. Like, that is minimum what we're talking 
two firsts, a third, a player, and then what else? Like, that's the minimum, right? You know what I mean? They got lucky in that Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yep. after uh, I mean, that's All a right. lot of that. I mean, but we, that, I mean, this was shocking, and now we can uh, now we can move on to the the actual game at hand. And uh, Dan, let's start talking about it. The Super Bowl this weekend, Chiefs in Tampa versus the Bucks. It's different. We don't get the media week like we normally would. The Chiefs aren't traveling until Friday or even Saturday. I've heard now, uh, which makes it unique. Obviously, the Bucks don't have to travel. That is a lot at it. Let's start going into it, Dan. I'll let you kick it off. Your thoughts, Chiefs, Bucks, where are you at? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Kansas City coming into this one as three-point favorites. I don't believe that line has really moved at all. I believe they opened as three-point favorites. Um, so I, I anticipate that kind of staying the same. Look, I mean, it's a beautiful story, right, with Tom, with Tom Brady leaving Can- uh, the New England Patriots coming to a new system, Bruce Arians, fun-loving, free-spirited, open the offense, deep shots downfield. We saw it work early, middle of the season, the run game uh, faltered. Tom was, you know, and his receivers weren't connecting. They were banged up, and then they had a resurgence late in the season into the postseason, and here they find themselves playing at home, the first team to do so. Uh, it, it's a perfect story, a perfect narrative for Tampa, and you know, a situation for Tom to get his seventh ring and, you know, continue to cement himself as the greatest of all time. On the flip side, you have a young Patrick Mahomes making his second Super Bowl appearance with the Chiefs. Andy Reid, one of the greatest coaches of all time. They've made three straight AFC championship appearances. They now have that opportunity to boot the New England Patriots of the 2000s, of the 2010s. And so, man, it's the, it's the goats of old and the goats of new kind of clashing here in um in a pivotal matchup and i personally just it's i I just feel like you can't bet against the chiefs right now and i can see tampa winning this game i can i can see a path for them to win but i'm not gonna move off of pat mahomes and the chiefs because we've seen situation time and time again where they're down and they play better football so even if this game jumps out to a 14-0 lead for tampa bay it's like you still got to bet on Kansas City to win because the chances are they still are at that point. Um, I think Kansas City, their weapons, as good as Tampa's defenses, are too much to to overcome. You can only bracket so many guys. You can only double Tyreek Hill, and and you know try your best to also stop Travis Kelsey. It's just it, it's too hard to do. And then on top of it, you've you've got you know young running backs. You've got uh, other pedigree type wide receivers and you know Sammy Watkins and uh, I just saw Demarcus Robinson's got a COVID issue that's gonna be something to look at and I know their offensive line's pretty banged up but the thing is they haven't run the ball well for damn well two months and it hasn't mattered so look I think the Bucks' best chance here is to get consistent pressure on Pat Mahomes as much as possible and hope that, you know, because you'd, you'd rather do that than let them get 60-yard bombs downfield, all right? If, they, if these guys are going to get yak, then you, you'd rather it be because your guys weren't running them down and because they were taking bad angles or someone broke their coverage rather than, oh, someone just got burned 50 yards downfield. So that's Tampa's best shot. And then, obviously, they have to try and find a way to consistently run the football. Like, they got to get Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette going in this game because I – 
And Tom's going to have a tough time with that defensive line. And Chris Jones is going to be after him all day. And he's definitely not nearly as mobile as Pat Mahomes. So those are my initial thoughts. I think Kansas City wins this one. But I think it's going to be a really close game, a really good game. And it could pan out very similarly to the Super Bowl of last year. So I agree with a ton of what you just said there. I think in – well, let me start with this. I have already made this decision in my head as a sports, uh, as a guy who, who, who loves sports and, and loves the NFL and wants to uh, just be as honest with himself as always about the NFL. I'm done actually betting against the Chiefs. Like, I'm just not going to do it because we've tried so many times. I mean, I don't know how much I talk myself into the Bills having a real chance. Like, oh, man, the Bills are just so hot right now. The Chiefs haven't been running the football, blah, blah, blah. Like, you you talk yourself into it. But when it comes down to it, they their offensive strategy and skill is extraordinarily elite right now. Now, in a year or two, that may change, depending on who's there, who's injured, who comes, who goes. The NFL is ever-changing. But this current Chiefs team, I'm not going to bet against. So I do think the Chiefs will win. Uh, I'm, I'm, I refuse to bet against them. That being said, in order for the Bucs to win this game, from my opinion, from what I think, I I do think they have a chance because they just beat a Packers team and a New Orleans team that I think had better rosters than them in a lot of crucial points. But I disagree with you that I think their best chance to win is by getting the run game going. Obviously, controlling the clock is huge against Kansas City. Forcing Kansas City... To, uh, and Patrick Mahomes to be on the sidelines is obviously very, very crucial. That is important. But I do think that them taking chances, getting big chunk plays, is going to be key on offense. I do think them also incorporating what we've seen more of, of recently with the Scotty Miller type of Tom Brady offense from New England. Because remember, the last time the Chiefs lost the playoff game was against New England and Tom Brady in in Kansas City. And how did New England – I went back and I looked at a lot of that game. How did New England look, win that game? The way you, you think of Tom Brady in his later years winning the game. Dump pass, dump pass, dump pass, dump pass. Moving the chains with a simulated run game, which is a passing game. Obviously, Tampa has the weapons to do that. Their DNA is more go big over the top. And I do think they're going to also need that. They're going to need to play a perfect game. Tom Brady cannot throw three interceptions and win this game. Because even though Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense was potent, you're not going to see the Chiefs have the three and outs that the Packers did in the second half of that game. You're just not going to see it. So scoring is going to be important. Uh, Chunk plays, uh, first downs, and then one or two big plays. But then I also think that alone isn't going to be enough probably to beat the Chiefs. You're going to need a special teams play at least one big special teams play, whether it's a big punt return, uh, a blocked kick, uh, some sort of something, a night, like a big 50 yard field goal at some point in time uh, for the chiefs to miss a field goal, something like that. And then if you get all of that, I still think you need to get at least three or four more sacks on Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes needs to hit the ground. Like Rogers hit the ground sacks will be important. Now, we know that it's possible for this to happen because of Eric Fisher being out. The one thing I'll say is the Chiefs have had offensive line issues in and out this year. They've had to shuffle guys around, and they've responded well. A lot of that is because they have the best quarterback playing football on the planet right now 
who can hold on to the ball until he's literally being twisted to the ground and throw to a ridiculous arm angle and pick up chunk plays like we've never seen before in NFL history. So in order for the Bucs, I think, to win this game, four-plus sacks, a special team's big play, and they need to get chunk plays and score. I really don't think the run game – I think the run game will be ancillary. I think they, in order, the run game will be a factor – after they established the chunk passing plays and 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 Kansas City is now reacting to, man, Tom Brady is just carving us up five yards, seven yards, eight yards, five yards, seven yards, eight yards, five yards, seven yards, eight yards, and all of a sudden, Jones breaks a big run. I don't think you're going to see the amount of carries as the most amount of passes. Um, that being said, I think a lot of that happens. But I don't think it matters. I really think the Chiefs offensively, they match up well against Tampa. I think that you have great matchups for Kelsey in this game. You have really solid matchups for Hill in this game that benefit Kansas City. I think Kansas City, like we've seen them time and time again, you were going to see three or four plays from them during this game. We're going to go, what the bleep was that? Where the bleep was that? And Andy Reid's just going to kind of smirk and uh, the mustache will like twinge a little bit in the Tampa heat. And, uh, you know, and it'll just be like, there he goes again. They do something. I think Mahomes makes a spectacular play or two like he does. I think he probably throws for well over 350 yards, three touchdowns. And when push comes to shove, I think they will be down at this at some point in this game. And that's what Kansas City thrives. And they, they just are able to rip your hearts out with uh, – you think Kelsey's doing what Kelsey always does, and he does something really different, and all of a sudden it's a 20-yard play. It gets their momentum back. Uh, I like the Chiefs in this game. I like it to be high scoring. I think that both these teams will feel very comfortable because their leaders are very comfortable. We saw the Packers get tight because Aaron Rodgers gets tight. And even though Aaron Rodgers has the Super Bowl, that was a decade ago. These are teams that are comfortable in these moments because they have a leader that's comfortable with Tampa in this moment. And they have a team in Kansas City that's comfortable in this moment. Brady and Mahomes, I think they'll both be comfortable. I think they'll both be loose. I think that leads to scoring. I like Kansas City to come back in the fourth quarter. I think they're down at some point in time in the fourth quarter. But they put it on late. Tom has to try to force something. They make another mistake and add it on extra touchdown late. The score makes it look like Kansas City was in more control throughout the game. But I think it's closer and more entertaining through three quarters. Kansas City pulls away in the fourth. I like Kansas City to win something along the lines, 36, 28, 27, something like that. Maybe Kansas City gets to 40 late, like 40, 30, something like that. But it's closer than that. It's more entertaining than that throughout. But I do think high scoring, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think it's a big fourth quarter for both teams. We've got two of the best fourth quarter com- uh, quarterbacks uh, that we've ever seen going at it. And I think in high-pressure situation with so much on the line, uh, it's going to be a pretty high-scoring fourth quarter in my estimation. I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a close game throughout, uh, but I do have the Chiefs winning. Similar score as well. I think my, my prediction was about like 34-27 to 27 Kansas City with the win, um, but you know, close all the way, you know, probably till at least, you know, a few minutes left in the fourth quarter or something to that effect. So I, I th- I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a great one and definitely looking forward to it. So Mark, let's shift gears to kind of our, our what if in terms of posing what happens if either of these teams win and we're going to frame it in the sense of their quarterbacks, their legacy, what moves forward, 
So let's start with Tom Brady. If Tom Brady wins this Super Bowl, what does this do for his legacy that he's already done everything to create? What does it do for the outside circumstances? What does it do for the Bucs? And, you know, perhaps what does it mean for even the Patriots and Bill Belichick, you know, if you want to go that far? Well, I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> on my show right. Saturday morning, I spent about uh, 15 minutes on this. I won't take up that much time. But I'll frame this message for me. Is it's? I think it's I, – I think the way to frame this is Patrick Mahomes gets an opportunity that we never see in sports. We never see it because – the idea of the goat for the major sports in the in the uh, in the Amer in America right now in basketball the goat is retired and has been retired for 15 years now for well over 15 years and Michael Jordan so anything LeBron does or anyone who's chasing that it's just about resumes same thing in hockey Gretzky's been retired for how many years and Gretzky um, it, 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 like Michael has this aura of mythicalness to him just the way he played and the numbers and the style of play and 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 then with um with baseball you know the goat is a little bit different because it's like well offensive goat pitching goat but even then none of the current Mike Trout is chasing a lot of that goat numbers as far as just overall player that you'd argue with the Hank Aaron's or the Babe Ruth's or you know the the you know the Willie Mays, whoever you want to put up there in that regard. But otherwise, a lot of those guys are retired, they're long gone. You don't get to see what we would consider the goat versus goat. It is weird, and a lot of it is just because Tom Brady's career is so bleeping long that Mahomes has this opportunity in front of him. I said, listen. I firmly believe that Tom Brady is the greatest football player to ever play. And in order for Patrick Mahomes to even get into that realm of the discussion of greatest football player ever, not just greatest quarterback, because Tom is that, but greatest football player ever, we're talking about better than Jim Brown. We're talking about better than Walter Payton. I mean, we're talking better than, than you know, I, I absolute icons in the in the realm of football. Uh, Jerry Rice, best football player ever. Tom Brady, in my opinion, is that. So if, if Tom beats Patrick, he all but slams the door on that conversation unless Mahomes do, then goes on to, he'd have to have the numbers close to Tom, he, and he'd have to get Super Bowls close to Tom, and I don't think we would look back and if I think we'd have this it would be a, a discussion like a Jordan LeBron. I think a lot of people would still give it to Brady because he won the one v one. But I think a lot of people would argue that Patrick Mahomes pure talent, if his numbers are somewhere close, if, if Patrick gets to four or five and has a, steals a couple records from Tom, because remember, Tom does it, Tom's Kareem, he's got he's got the rings and the record books. So if Tom can get seven different organization, prove that he's more than the system, I think that all but shuts the door. But for Patrick, and Dan, this is a fascinating thing. Patrick is already in the discussions with the Rogerses, with the Breezes, uh, certainly with the Roethlisbergers and Mannings, uh, you know, Eli Manning. If, if Patrick wins this game and Tom looks great, you know, like he's has, 
and Patrick outduels Tom when Tom is not in his prime, but still very much Tom Brady. I immediately put Patrick Mahomes in that conversation. Then of no, no, you're you're above Aaron Rodgers. You're above Drew Brees. You're above Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, certainly Terry Bradshaw. I think he's in the. I think he's in the Peyton Manning and 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 uh, and uh, Joe Montana conversation. Then when you start to say Brady's still Brady, but now. I will entertain the argument that Patrick Mahomes, the only other people I'll entertain arguments with Tom Brady is Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, and now I would argue Patrick Mahomes if he wins. So he can take a huge leap forward in that discussion. I think it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. Um, I, I think, Dan, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on everything I just said, and I think the, the thing I would pose to you, the question I would pose to you is, what if one of them looks historically bad and blows it? I don't expect that to happen, but I think that's worse for Patrick than it is for Tom. Tom's age is such an excuse. If he looks bad, it's like he's 43. He got another team to the Super Bowl that was a miss the playoffs last year. Of course, he's going to struggle a little bit in a big game against an all-time team. If Patrick struggles and looks like the moment was too big, the only excuse he might have is, well, it's in Tampa, and that's never been seen before. But I don't. I think that the, if if one of them struggles, it's worse for Patrick than it is Tom. See, that's where I disagree with you, actually, because I I see this as Patrick. If he struggles and has a really bad game, he has a decade in front of him to okay, rectify <laughs> any any valid. Error. Yes, he he has he has plenty of opportunity to get back and he could blame it on the O-line issues and say I was under duress the entire game or whatever you want to say. Um, I think Tom Brady for just why, like for us as fans, having followed him for so many years, we kind of understand how he's wired and how he works. I think for him to lose, it would be a bigger blow to him in terms of his feeling about his legacy than anything else. I don't think he has anything to prove to us anymore. I mean, we already cement him as the GOAT, and he's he's up there. And regardless of if he plays poorly or great, he's still going to stay in that realm. But I know for him, he wants to prove this to himself. He wants to prove it to any of his the, those haters out there. He wants to prove it to New England that he can do this. So I think there there's more pressure on Tom in this situation, to, and especially for a guy who was tasked with bringing the Bucks back and getting them a win. He's gotten them here, but now he's got to finish the job. And so I think there is a lot of that in front of him. So, uh, yeah, from a pressure standpoint, I think Tom's got more in this instance. But I agree with you in, in terms of kind of how things play out legacy-wise. You know, like with if Patrick wins, he does enter himself into that tier already. Two Super Bowl championships in three years as a starter. Uh, three consecutive AFC championship games. He's already putting himself – on the to even get on the pathway to do what Tom Brady did is already elite material, right? To even put yourself in a say where you're saying if someone sustains these four year gap, then maybe they could do what Tom did. To get to that point is already incredible. He will then already be on that uh, on that train, so that enters him into that tier of elite company amongst the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it. Um, you know, so I would definitely say he he enters that conversation probably like top five or six. I'd say already Im immediately 
and well on his way to working himself into the top three and eventually competing with, you know, Tom one-on-one in that instance. But it will, t- it's, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of years and he's got to stay healthy. And, you know, he even said in one of his press conferences like last week that, um, this is something that he's going to be chasing. He said, hey, Tom is some guy I'm going to be chasing for a long, long time. And that's very true. But uh, from a talent perspective, you, you can't argue already that he's, you know, top 20 talent to ever play that position. And he's probably going to work himself into the top 10 very, very soon. And um, yeah, a win for him would do a lot for his legacy. A win for Tom cements himself and probably does, like you said, put Pat on the outside looking in in terms of even being able to attain what Tom I, has. Again, if 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 Tom wins that for for Patrick or anyone else in NFL history, he would need to go on a run that would be better than Tom's. And that right, is yeah. that is he'd have to win like four in a row uh, well, at some well, point. It's not, you know, it's, and then it's <laughs> not even it would be amount of rings because you'd have to get to seven at least. Or or, yeah. or you'd have to get to six and blow away his numbers. And his numbers are the greatest of all time. Like, it's not even yeah. like the Jordan argument. Like, that's what's so funny to me is LeBron blows away Jordan in points, rebounds, seasons, yeah. assists. Kareem does, uh, He's going to blow him away in, in you know, and all-stars and all of that. But Jordan has six for six. So LeBron has to get to five or six to then for it to be like, okay, now the discussion is very valid to me. Either or, take your pick. I'm okay with that. So Tom has an opportunity to just give a massive F you. And it what it, what is so funny to me is, and I and I don't think it's I don't think it's a hot take to say I'm done hearing anyone say Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, or uh, any one of those other guys are in the class of Tom Brady at all. And Patrick Mahomes can start to argue Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees are not in my class if 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 Patrick Mahomes wins. I think there's, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in the offseason, I think Tom Brady is at the top of the pyramid by himself and in the, the stone right below him. To me, there's two names, Peyton Manning and Joe Montana. And, and then you get into the Aaron-Drew uh, you know, Dan Marino's, John Elway's, these other all-time greats. And Patrick, I think, is already in that tier. But I think he can jump into the tier below Tom if he wins the Super Bowl MVP and wins the Super Bowl here, beating Tom Brady and looking great and being Herculean. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, I, I'm so excited. But, Dan, the other thing I'll say to this is, I, you know, it, it, to me, it's so funny because look at what we're doing here. So much of the conversation for the past decade was, oh, well, yeah, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the rings, but he's the most talented quarterback. Now Aaron's lost that. I mean, Aaron is falling down the ranks so quickly. And I think that's part of the reason why Aaron's been so salty and he got Tom Brady. But it also, again, speaks to how great Tom is and why I don't want to just start jumping to – Patrick's better than Tom if Patrick wins. That is not the case. Tom has done the legacy, the longevity. We have all the numbers. It is insane what Tom Brady's done. So don't – I I refuse to start saying that Patrick's better than Tom if Patrick wins this. It's a long way to go. It's the same thing with Jordan and LeBron. I am still a Jordan guy, but Le, what LeBron is doing now, it's starting to make it harder and harder to just go uh, six for six, uh, six for six. 
you have to start entertaining the discussion. Patrick Mahomes can start entertaining the discussion like Montana and Manning for me, but he's still a long way to go if he wins. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he has to put a long, long resume together to – to be able to get into that. So Dan, my opinion, as we move on from that, we've, we've we've predicted our winners. We both think the chiefs will win it. Can I ask you before we go into this prop bets, who are you rooting for? Like when you're sitting down in your couch on Sunday and you got, you know, your, your Miller light and your, and your Cheetos, or maybe that's just me. Um, because that's already what (laughs) I'll have. Uh, but who, who are you going to be rooting for? Cause you know what? I, 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 I hate to say it, but I, I'm going to be rooting for Tom. I really am. I hate to say it, but my heart right now is that the more and more I talk about it, part of me just, I think I'm going to be rooting for Tom. I, I love Andy Reid, so that makes it so hard. I'm going to be so happy no matter who wins, and I just want this game to be good. I don't want it to be like that Bills game because Chiefs-Bills was so disappointing. I want it to be like the Packers-Tampa uh, Bay game where it's just like fascinating and crazy. But I think if you had to, like, truth serum me and drug me, I think in my core, I think I'm slightly rooting for Tampa. I think I am a little bit too, but it's I'm just going to enjoy this game, I know, no matter what. So I'm kind of going into it with a clean slate and just wanting to just observe a really fun and good game. But that being said, I mean, I do think just the story of of them playing in Tampa – Brady coming to the organization and instantly changing everything. It would just lend so much validity to um, how talented he is. And to see a 43-year-old engineer a, a Super Bowl win against the greatest oh. at his position in the NFL, it it would be really something incredible to see. It would be something where we tell and our the, kids. And you the know, best thing is we would years and years yeah, down the road. Yeah, the best thing is we wouldn't even ask, are you going to retire? He, You know he'd come back. Oh yeah, I just yeah, love yeah. it. I, I, no there's question. something about it. It's yeah. it's kind of like LeBron. I was rooting for the Lakers this past year. I really will. And I and besides the Bulls right now, I'm rooting for LeBron because that makes our sports world more interesting. It does. Yeah, it really it does. does. Unless yep. KD, I mean, or KD or Steph, because you like these goat conversations, these amazing conversations, and uh, you know, it's just not as. It, it, and and either way, we're getting that, which is what I love about this. And if it would have been the Packers. Uh, and we would have gotten that too. So I just love it. All right. So Dan, I have nine prop bets that I that I I have here. I w- I'm definitely going to bet some of these because I liked a lot of these. And I I'm bringing these up as just I want your gut feeling on some of these. Just like would you bet it or not? Sure. And and I'm not talking okay. about massive bets with prop bets. I'm always only doing like five, ten bucks max because you just you have fun and you make the game more interesting. And usually oh, sure, yeah. there's stuff that have really good odds where you at least double your money. So let's go through these. This one I, I love, and I am going to bet this one. Any call during the game being overturned by a coach, it's challenge. It's plus 115. So if you bet five bucks, you're going to make like 1250 if it happens. I, 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 think this, I think this lands. I do think there's a coach's challenge, and I do think there's an overturn because I think refs in the biggest game, they're going to want to swallow their whistles, but if it's anything close, you know they're going to throw the flag because then they can go to review. You know what I mean? And the stakes are so yeah. high in the Super Bowl. Like, you can't get something wrong. So if there's a spot foul, like, there's so many things that a coach who normally maybe wouldn't throw the red flag in a situation is going to do it here. Even if it's, you know, oh, no, he was out of bounds. 
a yard shy in the third quarter. Uh, you know, things like that could be the difference in a game, especially when you're talking about yeah. a game of inches. So I, I would agree with that. I think there's definitely going to be at least. I get all this from DraftKings, by the way. I'm not sponsored by DraftKings. I'd love to be. I love the DraftKings app, and I uh, and I play on DraftKings. Anyways, um, total number of coaches challenges over 1.5. Do you? That's plus 220. So that's actually pretty good money. That's like five bucks into like you know 26, 27 bucks. I, I really think I kind of want to bet that one again. Feeling as though I think the refs will swallow a lot of whistles, but on the ones they will throw their flags on, if there's something, you will see coaches' challenges on it. Do you think there'll be two or more coaches' challenges? I would probably take the right, under. Okay. Like, I think for sure there's going to be one, but I, yeah, I just yeah, like I, the I don't plus know if I can do two. I like the plus 220 on that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's that's good value um, for sure. Opening kickoff to result in a, t- in a, to result in a touchback. No, if you don't think so, so it's plus 230 that the opening kickoff will be anything other than a touchback. Now, touchbacks have dominated since they've moved that moved it up. But I think both these coaches, both of this, like you see in games like this, you kind of want to risk. Hey, who knows what will happen? Put it in a guy's hand. I could see it happening. I just like the value on it. I might bet this one the opening kickoff to result in not a touchback. So either out of bounds or return. I'm staying All away. Right. I am staying I away like from that I like plus 230 on that. Again, I throw five bucks at it. I, you know what I hate about prop bets? And this is what I'll talk about, you know, as I wanted to mention. As soon as I put this out in the atmosphere and you're all listening to this now, you're going to hate yourself if you're watching that game and the opening kick is returned and you didn't put five bucks on it. You're going to be like, well, yeah, yeah. bleeper. <laughs> the other thing is for both of these teams, they have speedsters. Like the Chiefs like to return. So if the if, And if you're the Bucks, you win. You imagine they're going to defer. They want the ball at half. Um, I, yeah, but I just don't think anyone's risking a kick. All right, okay. They're going to kick it deep and get I it out of there. I love this one. Plus 800 on this, that it happens. So great value. Fat man TD. O-line or D-line scores a touchdown. Oh, plus eight hundred. Well, hey, these would be the two coaches to like Especially pull something Andy like Reed. that. You know, and Andy Reid loves to do that. So that's interesting. Oh, you man. can also get just O line and plus. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, take that you can for get sure. Why plus, not? just O line and plus two thousand. That's insane. But O line or D line, maybe the the Chiefs put Chris Jones in there again. Who knows? Yeah, I would go. I would go O line then at that point because that value yeah. is so much better, and it it probably is more likely to be an O lineman if it's gonna be one Again, of those. It, you know, I, I get your point bucks, about Chris Jones. You know, but that's, what am yeah, I, that's am fun. I losing, yeah. losing, willing to lose five bucks on that? I think I am if it doesn't happen. Uh, total players uh, to um, throw a pass in the game plus one sixty five on two point five. So do you think we obviously know Tom and okay. Pat will throw a, a ball? Will there then be an injury to a quarterback? We don't want that. Knock on all the wood. But will there be a trick play where someone throws a ball who's not Pat or Tom? I'm definitely putting five, uh, like probably, probably 10 bucks that because it's only 165. Yeah. But but I think trickery is going to be huge in this game. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's going to happen at least once. And I say that because... You've got a guy in Antonio Brown that has thrown the football uh, prior, especially with the Steelers. He did that quite a few times, and uh, he throws a pretty decent ball. 
And then Travis Kelsey has done it uh, a number of times as well. Uh, I'm not sure if Tyreek Hill has, but I, I they've got guys that have a have done it before. So and and, yep. and knowing how risky the Chiefs are, and Bruce Arians is a throw caution to the wind type of guy too. I could definitely see that for sure. All right, uh, so Dan, I love this one, and I am betting this one. This is one I am betting. Um, I will say this, just full disclosure, I have already bet Chiefs money line because on DraftKings I got a profit boost for any bet on the big game. And so if Chiefs were minus money, I got them with the profit boost to plus money. I got them at like plus 130. Oh, so I got them at 20 nice. bucks to turn into like 50-something bucks, so over double your money. So obviously I'm t- I, I went with that. But this is something I am betting, and I'm going to hedge a little bit on this. 300-plus passing yards and a win. Tom Brady, three, plus 325. So why I like this and why I'm going to bet this is this. On the off chance that the Bucks win, I definitely think that Tom Brady will have over 300 yards passing. You know what I mean? So at 325, you know, that's 10 bucks into, you know, you're talking – you know, well over, you know, it's good money. I, you know, I, I'm where well, I'm struggling with the math on this, right? You know, you're, you're talking, you know, tri, you know, qu- over quadruple, tripling your money. It's good money on that. So I, I think that's one of those where if you're going to, if at, or if you feel confident the Bucks are win, if you're betting the Bucks, then you got to bet Tom Brady 300 uh, plus 325 on 300 pass yards and a win. Yeah, because especially both of us kind of consider this to be somewhat of a shootout, and it's going to go well into the fourth quarter. I mean, you could get 100 garbage yards in the fourth yeah. quarter easily. So, yeah, I mean, I I think you got to go that route for both quarterbacks, but especially the Tom Brady. Now, this is too. one of us for our chief bettors. I'm also betting this one because as, as if I'm betting the Chiefs to win, I'm also trying to find some value then in rooting for the Chiefs, you know, with a money line win, is on DraftKings you can get – Tyreek Hill, 100 receiving yards and a win, plus 200. So, again, you know, that's 5 bucks into 20 bucks there, easy. $10 into 40 bucks there, easy. Um, if you feel confident the Chiefs are going to win, I have a feeling Tyreek Hill can get a, will get 100 yards. So, yeah. that's, a, that's a, I think, a no-brainer if you're betting the Chiefs, right? For sure, for sure. I, much more so than, like, Travis Kelsey, because as great as Kelsey's been, he's much more of the underneath guy. With Tyreek Hill, I mean, he can get 30 yards in one play, eat like, easily. You know, so I, I definitely put him at 100 yards, and then it just is a matter of who you think is going to win. We both think the Chiefs win, so an easy All one right, there. and then uh, last two, and, I, and again, this is for Brady betters. Like, the passing yards in a win, three touchdown passes and a win. Brady's at plus 300, so basically the same odds. So again, if you're betting Bucks, I would imagine, and you think the Bucks will win, you have to imagine Brady's probably going to throw for three or more touchdowns. That there is good money for you. The funny thing is, that's actually pretty good money for for the for Mahomes as well. Three touchdowns and a win. Again, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think Mahomes will throw three or more touchdowns. He's a plus one ten for that. So that's ten bucks into you know easily double your money into twenty two, twenty three bucks like that, twenty four bucks. Uh, so, again, if you're yeah. betting Chiefs, it's a fun little extra thing to sprinkle on. Or if you're Brady, if you're getting betting Bucks, again, no-brainer. I think Brady's going to throw for three touchdowns if the if the Bucks are winning, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that just depends. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if you have the Bucks winning, obviously I don't. So I would personally stay away from yeah. something like that. By the way, I can't. I can't. You're partake, in a state that doesn't uh, allow it. because I am in a state that does not allow it. Um, but we are allowed to play DraftKings, so I'll probably just be uh, like in, in terms of uh, fantasy, fantasy stuff, football, yeah. uh, DFS. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll probably have some fun so, with that. But um, you know, it is yeah, interesting. I would though, stay away from the Tom again, Brady. One. If you think the Bucks going to win, I think it's going to be high scoring. So I would imagine Brady's going to get to three touchdowns. Yeah. yeah, it's the same with the three hundred yards, you know, so, deal. Like the, the, you know, you would you would probably want to package. If you feel all of confident about the Bucks, go for these things. I mean, it's good money. It's great value to a plus three hundred. And then finally, uh, I love this one. And again, I'm just rooting for it because you're looking for things to keep you entertained on Super Bowl Sunday uh, as you're snacking, as you're, uh, as you're, as you're, especially if your teams aren't in it. A lead mm-hmm. change to happen in the first quarter. So, again, it, right. uh, this is plus 295, so almost plus 300. So you're wow. talking about, you know, tripling your money for a lead change to happen in the first quarter. So, I would hammer that because I could easily see a team getting a field goal on the opening drive and then re- uh, the other team with a touchdown with in the first quarter. I, I could easily so, see that. So now again, Absolutely. what's funny about this, remember is what's the weird stat where New England has like never scored in the first quarter with Tom Brady in a Super yeah, Bowl? Yeah, yeah. So Tom Brady is a slow starter when historically, <laughs> right. but again, it's a different team, different circumstances. Both teams are going to want to get out to a lead. I I do think both teams will want to defer if they win. I saw that prop bet as well. I I, I think t- Tampa's smart enough to know they want the ball coming into the third. It's not necessarily about getting out to that first score. Uh, I, if you're the Chiefs, I feel like starting out strong is going to would be a, a a premium for them. I, I would think if you're the Chiefs, you want to oh, start. Maybe. I would agree. If you're the Bucks, if you're the Bucks, you definitely do want to have to be able to come out of halftime with a renewed uh, sense. But I think with the Chiefs, with how uh, prolific their offense is, you want to start off strong and, and, and just, you know, get off on the right foot. So there, there. you go. But, um, you know, all it takes is one red zone um, trip that ends in like a third down sack and you got to settle for the field goal. So, so Dan and I will, I would take we it. will definitely, again, check the Facebook page. We will definitely post our final score predictions, depending on things go early in the week. Well, you know, we're still, it's still Monday. So we got the game still Sunday. Check that on the Facebook page for Saturday. We'll also place a, a bet for sure. You know, we'll look at the lines, give you a chance. I mean, depending on where the line moves, I might take the Bucks because, you know, it could be close and if there's good value there. But uh, right now, if it were to be at, I'm going to take the Chiefs and the points. Uh, but, again, things will change throughout the week. So we already see now the Chiefs announced today a couple guys going into COVID because of not because of positive tests, but because of contact tracing. So they still may be right. good to go for this game. But you never know how things are going to go in this in this world that we live in in, in this year that we've dealt with. There was a really interesting one too. Uh, before we close out, um, the, a, a prop bet that said the two minute warning ends at two minutes. Oh, or does the two minute warning so go does, into effect at one fifty seven or one fifty six? That was an interesting yes. one. Yeah, I have a feeling. Yeah. Be- so I I think it's gonna be on uh, at the two minute because I think at that point you'll know who won. One team is gonna have possession, you know, like unless it happens on the kickoff and someone returns it, you know, I I think it's gonna be uh, it, it's gonna go right down to yeah. two. But that's that's a really fun one, and that could go for either props. Way, so my advice kind of is find th- four <laughs> or five that you're willing to spend five bucks on that are all pretty good value. Though you're not worried about losing twenty thirty bucks. 
uh, total for this. Have some fun with it. Bet with your friends if you're in a state that you can't, you know, uh, do the do the do the the DraftKings or the FanDuel or the Barstool wherever you're at. Um, I love I and no hedge fund can short no, it's you true. on this one. Sports so don't gambling be is better than the stock market. I agree. <laughs> so yeah, that's um. That will do it for our Super Bowl preview show. Mark and I both have the Chiefs, but as he mentioned, stay tuned later on the week on Facebook as we'll have our final predictions for you as well as our best bet. And obviously, enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. The commercials, everything. We'll have plenty to talk to next week. So really excited for next week's show as well as we will have clarity then uh, where uh, the whole league stands going into next season, who will be the defending champ and who will be uh, looking to... Uh, draft 31st overall in the NFL draft and obviously we'll get into our draft coverage and everything like that uh, coming up in the weeks and months ahead but as for now have fun with your friends have fun with your family Uh, if you're unfortunate like I am and have to work on Sunday then uh, just uh, you know hope you get to at least make the best of it and enjoy the game stay safe everyone and we'll definitely we'll see you back here next week with a full recap should be fun